We live in a world of a million voices screaming for our attention. People will tell you what to think, where to go, who to listen to, even what to believe. With so many voices in our world today, don't you think it's God's turn? During God's turn, you'll hear practical truths from God's Word for our lives today. Dr. Daniel Stevens, the senior pastor at Grace Baptist Church in Anderson, Indiana, presents powerful truths from God's Word for your life. In a world of a million voices, it's time to let God speak. Join us today for God's turn. Praise the Lord for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. If you would take your Bibles to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. We've been going through the Gospel of John on Sunday morning. And it's fitting that we come today to John chapter 3. And before we move on to the next section, I wanted us to focus on verse number 6, verse 16. In John 3, we find what is deemed by many one of the greatest conversations in history. And in the middle of this amazing conversation where Jesus is speaking with Nicodemus and he reiterates to him over and over, you must be born again, we find what many call the greatest verse in the Bible. It was Martin Luther that called this verse the Bible in miniature. We could literally spend weeks preaching through this one verse. As a matter of fact, it was Henry Morehouse as a, as a wild and challenging young man who at the age of 16 was a gambler, a gang leader, and a thief. But during the revival of 1859, Henry gave his life to Jesus. And he was soon heard preaching the gospel with all his heart. And his favorite verse was John 3.16. One day in Ireland in 1867, he had the opportunity to meet the famous evangelist D.L. Moody. And Henry had the nerve to invite himself to preach in Moody's church in Chicago. Sometime later, Moody returned home from a trip and learned that Morehouse had shown up and started preaching and was drawing great crowds. His wife said to Moody, he preached two sermons from John chapter 3 and verse 16. And she looked at Moody and said, I think you will like him, although he preached a little different from what you do. Moody asked his wife, how is that? And she goes on to tell him, well, he tells sinners that God loves them. Moody wasn't so sure about that, but that evening he went to hear Morehouse preach. And the young man stood up in the pulpit and said, if you will turn to the third chapter of John and the 16th verse, you will find my text. Moody later recalled he preached a most extraordinary sermon from that verse. I never knew up to that time that God loved us so much. The heart of mine began to thaw out, and I could not keep back the tears. It was like news from a far country. I just drank it in. Night after night, Morehouse preached from John 3, verse 16, and it had a life-changing effect on D.L. Moody and so many others. Moody said, I have never forgotten those nights. I have preached a different gospel since, and I have had more power with God and man since then. Later, in Morehouse, when Morehouse fell ill, and he was on his deathbed, he looked up at his friends that were there, and he said, if it were the Lord's will to raise me again, I should like to preach from the text. 
God so loved the world. Max Licato said of this verse that it is the hope diamond of the Bible. And so this morning, I want us to take a few moments and unpack this wonderful and powerful verse, John 3, 16, where the Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to gather on this Resurrection Sunday. Lord, we thank you for the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the salvation and the life that we can have through him. And I pray this morning as we consider John 3.16, Father, that you would work in our hearts and lives today. For those that are here, those that watch online, those that watch on television or here on the radio, Lord, that do not know Christ as their Savior, may today be the day where they turn from their sin and put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And for those of us that are believers, may we be renewed in our love for you and strengthened in our walk and our desire to to serve you because of your love and sacrifice for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As we look at John chapter 3 and verse 16, there's seven things that I want to point out to you from this passage this morning. Number one, the first thing we see right off the bat is the giver of this precious gift. The Bible tells us in John chapter 3 verse 16, for God. Understand today, salvation is of the Lord. It is the work of God. The plan of salvation that was set before the foundation of the world was designed, set up for, and given to us by God himself. Man does not have the right or the ability to invent another way of salvation. And listen, I'm going to be honest with you today. When it comes to this idea of salvation, I have no idea how to earn my way to heaven or how to get to God. Why? Because it's not up to me. Salvation is of God. We've lost that in the church. We've lost that in our society. We've lost that in the world today. The Bible says for God. You know, many people say, well, I believe in God. I just don't like the church. I, I believe in God, but I don't read the Bible. I believe in God, but I don't, I, I don't like this idea of salvation. But can I help you understand today, the God that you say that you believe in is the author of, this, of salvation. The God that you say that you believe in is, is the creator of the planet, how we can have a relationship with him. He is the one that instituted the church. And my friend, he is the one that has given us the Bible. You know, it's sad that we say we believe in God, but we listen to our friends more than we do God. We say that we believe in God, but we listen to the news media more than we do God. Some of the greatest words in the Bible are found in John chapter 3, verse 16. For God. God is the giver of our salvation. He's the giver of this gift. Number two, we see the reason we see the reason that he gave and when it says, for God so loved. If you've been in church for any length of time, you've heard there's a distinction between uh, the word love in the Bible and the, uh, the word love in the Bible and the different uh, types of love and what we use as love in our English language. 
There's, there's, there's four different Greek words that are translated in Scripture for our English word love. And the word that is used here is, is, a, is a love that is a perfect love. It's a sacrificial love. It's a giving love. This love does not need anything back. You see, as we study the Scriptures, we learn that God loved us while we were yet sinners. When, when we hated God and when we were the enemy of God and there was nothing that we could do for Him or give Him, the Bible tells us that God loved us. That was his motive for sending this precious gift, for authoring the plan of salvation. God loved you so, so very much. I know we live in a world today where there's a lot of hate. We live in a world today where people would rather just step on you or step over you rather than to be there to care for you and love you. Many people in our society today, unfortunately, feel unloved because of the sinful world that we live in. But can I tell you, my friend, God loves you this morning. God loves you more than you love yourself. God loves you more than your parents love you. God loves you more than you love your children. God's love is an amazing love. And there's no words that really we could use to express the love. But I want you to understand today, the reason God gave was not out of obligation, not out of necessity, but you see, God loves you, and God loves me. Number three, we see the object of his love. For God so loved the world, the world, now, that's a simple word, but yet so many in our society today, so many even within the church struggle with that word. I believe that God here is talking about all of mankind. He says, for God so loved the world, the whole world. There's a debate in our society today between those that claim or call themselves to be Calvinist and those are not Calvinist. And, and they interpret this word, world here, to mean the elect world. They, they, they let their theological perspective interpret the words. But as you look at the word there, the word literally means world. There's nothing in the context to make us think other than that. The world here is talking about everyone. Jesus died for everyone. It doesn't matter your race or color, your abilities, your status in life. Jesus loves Everyone. I love that song, Jesus Loves the Little Children. Well, you know, I know it's a kid's song, but why is that? Why, why do the kids get to sing it and we don't? <laughs> Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. And I know you have different ways that you say the next part, but listen, it doesn't matter. Red, yellow, black, and white, we're all precious in his sight. That's the object. God so loved the world. It doesn't matter how sinful you believe you are, how sinful your neighbor is. It doesn't matter. God loves you. He loves your neighbor. And I praise the Lord for that. So we see the giver is God. The reason he gave is he loved. He loved too. What's the object of his love? He loved the world. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All. And Jesus died for the sins of all. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord for that. So then we see the gift. 
Number four, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The word begotten points to the uniqueness of Jesus. He is one of a kind, having no equal. He is the second person of the Godhead. Jesus Christ, who is co-eternal with God, there dwelt in the heavens in the presence of God and left the glories of heaven. And in Philippians chapter 2, we see that he took on flesh. He became the form of a man and became obedient to the Father's will and the Father's plan of salvation, even obedient even to the death on the cross. I've gotten a lot of gifts in life. I like gifts. Most of us like to get gifts. And, and I've got a lot of great gifts in life. Things that I was surprised by, things that I even expected, but man, things that I've loved. There's, there's gifts in my life that I cherish. But none of them equal to the gift that God gave when he sent Jesus Christ, his son, to be the payment for our sin. So we see the gift is Jesus himself. Now, I want you to notice the recipients there. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, whosoever, this really correlates with point number three when we see the world, but whosoever, he died for the sins of the world. He died for the sins of the world. And those that turn to Christ in salvation will not be turned away. Whoever comes to him, it, it, it doesn't matter. Who, whoever comes to God in faith, turning from their sin, whoever comes to Jesus Christ and puts their trust in him, those will be saved. What a, what a beautiful, beautiful picture. Number six, then, we see the manner of the reception. How, how do we receive this gift? Well, the, the gift is given by God, and we receive it by believing in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him. My friend, we're not saved by works. We're not, we're not saved by the things that we do and the religious activity that we go through in life. We're not saved. We're not saved by being human. There are those in the world today that think we're going to live and then we all die and it doesn't really matter because we're all going to go to heaven. It, it, it does not work that way. We are not saved by our works. We're not saved by our heritage. We are saved through faith in Christ. This idea of believe means that we turn from our sin and we put our trust in God. You know, when you stop and look at our lives, we're very trusting people. You know, sometimes you'll hear somebody say, I don't trust anybody. I, I, don't, trust, I don't trust anything. And that's really not true. We're very trusting people. You walked in today, you sat down in a chair with no, not giving it a second thought. That, that chair, you just trusted that chair was going to hold you up, and so you plopped right down, and guess what? It held you up. You got up this morning, and you probably drove here in a vehicle. You got in that car, and you just trusted. Uh, if you rode, you trusted the driver. For some of you, that was a little scarier than others, but you trusted the driver, and you're going to get to church. You know, you get in an airplane, and you just trust that plane's going to work, the plane's going to take off, the pilot knows what he's doing, you've never met the pilot, you don't know where he went to school, you don't know how long he's been flying. Uh, you know, sometimes these days you walk on an airplane and it looks like the pilot looks like he's 12. 
And that tells you how old I'm getting. And, uh, but you walk on and you just, you just go and you sit down and you get your AirPods in or your headphones in. You watch your movie, you read your book, whatever it is, and, and you just, just go. And we just simply trust. We just trust. We're very trusting people. How do we receive the gift that God offers? It's by believing on Jesus Christ, putting our trust in him. Number seven, we're getting to the point we really want to get to this, this morning on this Easter Sunday, the result. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him, notice there the result, should not perish, but have everlasting life. See, without Christ, you will die physically and be separated from God for all eternity in hell. But through Jesus Christ, we receive everlasting life or eternal life. And really, the idea here is not necessarily focused on the length of time. Now, there is something to that from our perspective and our human perspective. But really, the idea of everlasting life or eternal life has more to do with the quality of our life. You see, because apart from Christ, we're condemned and we're going to be separated from God in hell. But in Christ and through Christ, we're going to be in the presence of God. And can I just tell you this way? It's going to be better to live eternally in the presence of God than it is to be separated from him in hell. All right, I want you to understand that. When you study the scriptures and you read the Bible, you realize very quickly, hell is a terrible place of torment and the place uh, or the presence of God is the place that we want to be. And the only way we receive that presence and have that opportunity is if we're born again through Jesus Christ. But it has more to do with the quality of life. Think about it for just a moment. In Christ, I'm born again. I have spiritual life. So as I live here in this life, I don't walk alone. I don't walk in my own power, my own strength. But I have the Spirit of God that dwells in me. Paul tells the Corinthians, Know ye not that you are the temple of God? When we receive Christ as our Savior, the Spirit of God dwells within us and teaches us and helps us as we go through this life. But when I die physically, when I die physically and I leave this earth, this last week we had the funeral for our wonderful brother Pete Hutchinson. I can only imagine when he passed away and, and, and he, listen, he loved life and he loved the church and he loved serving God and living for Jesus and, and how excited he was to, to, to serve the Lord. And when I talked to him, he's like, man, I wish I could come to church and, and be around God's people. But listen, as great as that stuff was, when he took that last breath here on earth, think about just for a moment what it was like for him to be in the presence of God. Amen. How amazing that must have been. We, we not only have this quality of life, but as we think about this passage, we also see that we have the assurance through Jesus Christ of everlasting life. That our assurance of our salvation, our assurance through Jesus Christ is one of the great blessings found in John chapter 3. I mean, look at verse number 18, if we would with me. There, John 3, verse 18, he says, He that believeth on him, notice this, is not condemned. When you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're not condemned. Why? But verse number 17, if you'll step back, For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Why are we not condemned? Because we're already condemned without Christ. But with Christ, there's no condemnation. That's what Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ 
Jesus. You see, the great result of receiving the gift of salvation is eternal life, everlasting life. That doesn't start when I die. That starts today, and I have all the blessings of being in Jesus Christ. And, 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 and my life is better today than it would be without Christ. But, man, I cannot wait and how glorious it will be when I see my Savior face to face. One of my favorite passages in the Bible is found in Hebrews chapter 7. Hebrews chapter 7. Listen to these words. By so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament. And truly were many priests because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. But this man, because he continueth ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost... So your assurance of your salvation is through Jesus Christ and he's able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him. Listen to these words. Seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Wow. He ever liveth. This morning we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the fact that he is alive. And because he is alive, he's at the right hand of God making intercession for us. What a wonderful blessing today being a Christian that Christ cares so much about us that he is making intercession on our behalf. And he's able to do that because he ever lives. Now, I want you to take your Bibles to 1 Corinthians as we finish up chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And if you study the scriptures, you'll know that this is the resurrection passage. You'll see that this is the resurrection passage. Now, God so loved the world. He's the giver of this gift. The reason is that he loved you and, the, and he loves all of us that are in the world. He gave his only begotten son. That is the gift and we receive it. Whoever believes on Jesus Christ will receive it, have eternal life and the assurance of salvation and the blessings. We have all of this because Christ is alive. Now, there were people in this day and age that were struggling with the concept of the resurrection. And so in 1 Corinthians 15, this is what Paul is going to deal with. He says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel. And this is what we see in John chapter 3, verse 16. The gospel message in that one verse. I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that, he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. After that, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles, and last of all, he was seen of me also, as of one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles, that am not me to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. 
Therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preach, and so ye believed. Verse 12, now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain. Ye are, not in your, ye are yet in your sins, excuse me. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. In this life only we have hope in Christ. We are of all men most miserable. Paul says, I've preached the gospel, how that Jesus Christ died. And the gospel is only complete because he rose again. Why would you not believe in that? And, and the truth is, if Christ did not rise, then we're not going to rise. But because if Christ rose, then we will rise. And he says, without the resurrection, really, this whole Christianity thing is worthless. Really, it's all vanity. Just, just pack up and go home. And, and, and listen, we'll, we'll live in this life, and maybe we'll be okay and have a better life as a Christian here. But the truth is, is... If this is all there is. But if you would look at verse 20. He says, but. But now is Christ risen from the dead. And became the first fruits of them that slept. You see, because Christ rose. Because Christ rose. The greatest result of our salvation is that we will rise. We will rise to be with him forever. And that's what John meant. That's what John meant when he said in John chapter 3, verse 16, you should not perish, but have everlasting life. This morning, you know why we celebrate Easter? Because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Maybe you're here today because it's a religious activity. You show up on Easter, you show up on Christmas, because you don't understand the love that God has for you. Christ has risen. He's risen indeed. Praise the Lord. Let's stand together. Father, we come before you with hearts filled of joy and thanksgiving for the gospel message. Lord, I thank you that for the love that we see in John 3, 16 and that many of us have experienced in our life. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Can I just ask you this? Have you ever accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior? Have you ever turned from your sin and put your faith and trust in Christ? Why not? God loved you so much that he sent Jesus Christ, his son, to be the payment and sacrifice for your sin. Listen, if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, trust him today.
we want to invite you to our free ladies luncheon coming up on Saturday, May 7th at 12 p.m. At the luncheon, you'll enjoy a delicious meal and a great time of fellowship together. The speaker for the event will be our very own Hannah Sire as she shares what God has laid on her heart. Find out more about the luncheon and sign up at gracetoanderson.com ladies. Thanks again for watching. We hope you'll join us next week for another time of God's Turn.